0: Good morning, good morning once again. uh, If you're visiting for the first time or watching online uh, with us this morning, my name is Ephraim Pena. I'm the campus pastor here at Southfield Santa Clarita, and it is always a joy uh, to have you with us uh, today. Um, It was was right under my my tablet, and I didn't have it. We have one more piece of information. In the far back to the right there, there is a, a board on the wall. We call it our prayer board. And on there, uh, there are some tags just like this. And uh, what we do is is if there's a prayer need that you have for uh, you, yourself, your family member or friends, co-workers, and you want us to pray or lift up that prayer need, um, you can go to the back, grab a pen, fill out the back of the card. Uh, You don't have to give, you can give as many details as you want or as little. We're going to try to pray uh, for what you have given us. Uh, So you fill it out and you put it on the board. And if you put the the tag with the South Hills logo facing out, that way we know, our team knows to collect that tag. And every week I send these out to our leadership team and we uh, we join and partner with you in prayer uh, for your particular uh, specific needs. So uh, that's always there available whenever you want to use that and wanted to make sure that we give you that bit of information. So we are in our summer series, Sounds Familiar, a series that is based on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus' most famous uh, teachings or collection of teachings, and over the last few weeks, we have learned and talked about anger. We have learned and talked about uh, loving our neighbors, including our enemies. We've learned and talked about being the salt and the light of this earth, and we also talked a bit about the beatitudes. and And so, I'm curious to know uh, as you've been coming, we're like in week six. Or so of our summer series. I'm curious to see how many of you have been taking heed to what we've been talking about. What you've been learning and applying it to your everyday life. Right, just just show a sign of hands. Yeah, amen, amen. Because the truth of the the matter is that that we need to not just be listeners of the word, but we need to be doers of the word. Uh, it's all fine and dandy to be able to quote scripture. It's all fine and dandy to talk a lot about God and that you go to church and you do this and you do that. But the 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 the, the gist of it all, the the, the nitty gritty, is actually living the word out. It's actually living it out, doing what you uh, are, are listening to, what you're hearing, putting it into practice. And, and that's super important because that helps us grow. It helps us mature as believers. If you leave here today and, and you say, oh, that, that was a great word, and you do nothing with it throughout the week, throughout the the days and weeks to come, then then we're not really being doers of the word. There's no Uh, practical application, Uh, and I I work really hard at, or at Southfields, we work really hard at trying to give you an applicable word, one in which you can say, aha, I get it, that's easy, that's not, I mean, not easy to do, but I get what you're saying, and I can apply that as opposed to going home and saying, hmm... I wonder what Pastor E was talking about, right? We want, you to, we want to give you practical tools in your hand where you can apply the word of God to your everyday walk. And so today, we're going to continue to learn and grow uh, from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And my message is titled, The F Word. The F Word, <laughs> you have dirty minds, you. The F Word today, this morning... Uh, I had to quickly adjust my words as I was talking to the tech booth back there, and one of our student volunteers, our high school students volunteer in different places in the morning service at the nine o'clock so they can do their ten uh, thirty service but at nine o'clock they come and they help out and kids they help out in, in the tech booth, and Kyle, which is rich's son, was back there and uh, I, I think I happened to say yeah today's we're going to be talking about the f word and And you can see his eyes light up like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) I didn't know if he really wanted to be here or he was just embarrassed. And I had to quickly correct myself. Kyle, listen, buddy, buddy, my friend, hey, it's not like that. Not like that at all, right? But today we're talking about the F word. And I want to, as I always do, kind of get your your juices, your your noggin juices running here, flowing here with, with this question. How many of you remember your parents forcing you to say, I'm sorry for something that you did wrong when you were a kid? All right? My mom, I, I, I got in trouble a lot as a kid. I got in trouble a lot as an adult as well. But my, I always got in trouble as a kid. And my mom would use these bad boys right here as the antenna grabber. She would pinch The ear, like she she always, like her, every single time she was perfect at it. These bad boys are big. So she never missed. And she would grab and she would twist and she would pull. And I knew that I had done something wrong. And I knew that I needed to apologize. And maybe you're here today, maybe your mom never grabbed you by the ear. Maybe your mom just gave you that look. You know, like open the eyes real wide. Or she kind of threatened under the breath or she spoke in a different language that nobody else around you understood except you and her. I don't know how your parents did it or maybe your parents were just like the real cool parents and just kind of just let it ride. But my mom didn't let nothing ride. My mom was on top of me like water on rice. But uh, maybe maybe today you yourself do it to your own kids. You're forced, go apologize right now. Go say I'm sorry. And the kid was like, what did I do? I didn't do nothing, right? I don't know if you remember that day, but wasn't it difficult to apologize? Wasn't it difficult to say, I'm sorry? Some of you didn't even know what you were saying you're sorry about, and that made it difficult in of itself. But it was so difficult to apologize, and then your mom would add to it, or your dad, like, look at them in their eyes, like, I am trying, but they're so tall, right? And it was so difficult to apologize, to say, I'm sorry. Jesus used the F word in this scripture and we're going we're gonna to listen to what he says about saying, I'm sorry and apologizing. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 15, it says, pray like this. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So just to clarify, just in case some of you are still trying to wake up, the F word we're using today. We're going back to like Sesame Street. The F word for today is forgiveness. Forgive forgiveness, right? And in the middle of the most famous sermon ever, Jesus gives us the most famous prayer ever. The prayer punctuated with the F word, forgiveness. Forgiveness. And this word is, for many, many people, it's so difficult to do and then let alone, it's so difficult to say, let alone do it. But it's so difficult for many people. Forgive. The Lord's Prayer isn't just a simple example of how to talk to God. It's much more than that. Each phrase of this prayer stacks up and builds on top of the previous one, exposing some deep truths about how a life with God should be lived out. So when he begins to share this prayer, he is saying so much in just a short amount of words. So let me, let me show you what I mean. And it starts off like if we do not see God... Properly, as both Heavenly Father and Holy Other, verse 9, we won't be able to surrender ourselves to His will, verse 10. And our unsurrendered life easily falls victim to the fears of this world, which leads us to having to secure our own daily bread, verse 11. A hurried, fearful, selfish life fueled by a false vision of God would inevitably lead us to sin and the need for forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, verse 12. And so each line of this prayer Again, it builds off of the previous one, allowing us to kind of kind of figure this out, trying to lay it down for us step by step. Church, Jesus knows. He knows that our souls need forgiveness as much as our bodies need bread. But receiving forgiveness is just not enough. It's just not enough. A healthy soul must also give it. There's two parts of forgiveness. There's the part where we are being forgiven, and there's a part where we are forgiving others. Holding on to our anger and our resentments, clinging to our identity as a victim and refusing to release others from their debts will leave us incapable of receiving God's love, or anyone else's for that matter. In Jesus' prayer, it's super important to see that sin, our, our wrongdoing, is not just an outside opponent to be overcome, or, uh, or nor infractions or violations committed by others against us that must be forgiven. There's more to this church. Sin is also an eternal reality that we must acknowledge about ourselves, about that which lies inside of us. In other words, it's a two-party file, right? It's a two-party file. It's a two-way street here. There's the part where we are asking for forgiveness, and there's a part where we are the ones forgiving Vaclav Havel, the former president of the Czech Republic, said, the line between good and evil does not run clearly between them and us, but through each person. The line between good and evil does not clearly run between them and us, but through each person. In other words, We cannot just see life, the life that we live here, as good and evil, them versus us. That instead, we need to look at ourselves and say, inside of us, there are things that are wrong. Inside of us, there are some things that are good and we need to self-analyze. Before we can start drawing lines between them and us, And I believe the church has done this for years and years and years. The church has drawn a line between them inside the walls and those outside of the wall. We have separated ourselves and thought of ourselves as good versus evil. When the truth of the matter is that inside of us, that battle is there, good and evil. And so, and so instead of drawing lines and saying that or thinking that we are better than someone else because we read the Bible, that we are better because we go to church, we should see it as, man, there's something inside of me that I cannot f- fix it all at one shot that I still need to work on me and stop drawing lines with people on the outside and start fixing what's going on on the inside. This is about the heart of each person. Forgiveness is at the core of our heart. And each person, and each person inside of each one of us, we have to figure this forgiveness thing. Colossians 3, chapter 12 uh, Colossians chapter three, verses 12 and 13 says, "Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy and kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, and so you must forgive others. And I love this scripture. Because it points the finger back at us. I can't stress this enough. It is so important that we forgive others. As Christians, we must forgive others. But pastor, they did me wrong. We got to forgive them. But pastor, man, man, what they did, they hurt me. I get it. I understand. But we got to forgive them. No, pastor, you don't know. You never. You didn't. You you weren't there, pastor. You've never been through what I've been through. But you gotta forgive him. So let's talk about why. Why must we forgive? The Greek word translated uh, uh, to forgive conveys the idea that forgiveness is a release from some type of obligation. Think about that. To forgive is to release someone from some type of obligation. Now, when we forgive, we aren't forgiving. We aren't saying that the other person, what the other person did is acceptable. We're simply releasing him or her from the obligation to us. When we forgive, we're not condoning what they did to us. We're not saying that it's okay, that you can go ahead and do it again. What we're actually doing is releasing that person from their obligation to us. Thus, when we release ourselves, we would, thus we release ourselves of the hold unforgiveness has on our lives which frees us from the bondage of hurt and pain. A lot of us are carrying so much hurt and so much pain because of what somebody else did. What somebody else said, how somebody else lived their life, and we carry that with us everywhere we go because we don't want To forgive. So let me give you three reasons to forgive. Take some notes here or pictures. Number one, forgive for your own good. Forgive for your own good. Church, as long as you refuse to let go of hurt, you've tied that other person to yourself. It's like carrying a chain ball with you. You're carrying the hurt and the pain and the person wherever you go when you refuse to forgive that person. It's been said that when we don't forgive someone else, we're giving the other person free rent inside of our heads. Inside of our hearts. When we don't forgive, we're giving somebody else free space in our hearts and in our minds. Could you imagine that? Imagine somebody just walking up up into your house and saying, oh, that that room right there, that's me. That's for me. I'm going to live here free. You wouldn't let that person do it in your own house. Why would you let them do that in your heart and in your mind? to live rent-free there. We need to consider, church, the cost of not forgiving. All of that energy, all of that emotion you give to that hurt, to that pain throughout the day, the sleep that you lose out, because you don't want to forgive. Listen, with unforgiveness, inner peace is impossible. Inner peace is impossible because that hurt and that pain is, is holding up, taking up space. When bitterness festers, the infection grows and damages our relationship with others. Forgiveness offers us freedom to move on so that we can continue living. So we can continue living. I remember as a kid in. In high school, because I didn't have a locker in New York City, you don't get a locker until you probably get into high school. And, uh, and so that first day of school, they give you all these tons of books. And you're looking at like the teacher like, how am I supposed to carry all this stuff? Right? And I didn't know. I was a kid. I, I went to elementary. You know, and there was just no lockers. And so I was like, how am I supposed to carry all this? I got a Bible, I got, I got a math book, I got a textbook, you know, like all this. How am I supposed to carry? On top of that, my mom just took me school shopping and she done filled my bag up. Like, come on. And they said, Well, you got a, a locker there. And I'm like, what do you mean a locker? And they're like, yeah, you take your books and you put them in there. You don't gotta carry it wherever you go. And I was like, really? Like, this is the coolest thing ever i don't going to carry all of these books everywhere I go. And I literally, I would go to my locker between every print and just grab one book. I didn't carry any of a backpack or nothing. I, I, yeah, I was one of those kids putting my pencil in my ear. They were big enough to hold anything. And I just went to class that way with my books in my hands. But it was a freedom that I didn't have to carry a backpack with all of that stuff around. Church, forgive for your own good. Number two, forgive because it pleases God. Forgive because it pleases God. Instead of asking, man, why should I forgive this person? It's her sin, it's his sin, not mine. They're the ones that, you know, they got to take that up, right? But we must realize that obeying God's command to forgive frees us from our hurt and pain. Jesus taught us to pray, and He specifically spoke about forgiving others. Forgive us for our sins. In the same way we forgive others. Right? He added, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's deep right there. I you just can't brush that off. He says, we need to forgive others of our sins. Because if we don't, then he's not going to forgive us for ours. Now, I don't know about you, but I got, I got a lot of stuff I got to ask on a daily basis to for God for, to forgive me for. There's a lot of stuff that I need God to forgive me for. So there's no way that I can go around asking for forgiveness if I myself am not willing to. To forgive others, it may take some time and much soul searching before you can actually feel ready to let it go. But ultimately, friends, we forgive because holding on to forgiveness—excuse uh, me, holding on uh, to unforgiveness—isn't godly. That's not what Jesus would do. That's not what Jesus how Jesus would want us to live our life here on earth. He specifically wrote here in his prayer about forgiving others. And lastly, number 3, forgive because you yourself has have experienced God's grace for your sins. Chanel in our worship time spoke about God's grace. This free, unmerited, undeserved grace that he gives each and every single one of us. We don't have to buy it. Well, actually, we cannot buy it. We cannot earn it. It is free, truly free. Your perception and your understanding of God's grace for your life shapes the way you treat others. In other words, how you see God And what he has done for your life pretty much shapes your values, shapes your ideas, shapes your perception on how we treat others. So if you are going around holding on to resentment, if you're going around hating on people, because of what they said, because of what they did. Listen, over the last year and a half, there's been so much hate. So much hate. So much people, families have been divided. Friendships have been broken. coworkers are no longer buying coffee for each other. Because there's so much hate, so much resentment. So many people walking around refusing to forgive someone else. And I believe that our, our, one of our, our motto here at Southfields is that we are the perfect place for imperfect people. And when I think about that all the time, the perfect place for imperfect people, we have all fall, fallen short, right? Not one of us is perfect. Not one of us has it together. Regardless of what the exterior picture looks like. No matter how much makeup, no matter how much we, we dress up, no matter how much, what kind of car we drive, no matter how much, how big our house is, no matter what we eat, there's not one perfect person in this world. We all fall short. And because of his grace, because of his love for us, he has forgiven us of our sins, our wrongdoings, our transgressions. God Bible. the word of God says that God loved us so much that he sent us his one and only son down here to earth to become man, to become flesh, to be crucified, to pay the ransom, the price for our sins. The Bible also talks about his blood, his blood that was shed for our sins. Not his sins. He was perfect. But for our sins, so those sins could be washed away, so that we can walk in this freedom. Friends, we don't deserve this grace. And no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how high your pile is of your junk, In life, God says, man, I forgive you for all of it. If you would repent, if you would accept me as your Lord and Savior, I'll wash it away. I'll wipe your slate clean. Never to bring it back up. And because I've done that for you, then that should be a reminder for us To do it for someone else. Church, if you grasp how little you deserve God's forgiveness, you'll be ready to release others by forgiving. I said this before. My platform here right before you does not make me better than you. My title as a pastor does not make me better than you. The Bible is very clear on this. We all fall short. And because we all fall short, we constantly need to be forgiven. And because he has forgiven us, we need to be forgiving to others. Jesus taught us this lesson when he visited Simon the Pharisee in Luke chapter 7. Simon, the host, didn't offer him the common courtesy, the common courtesy of having someone wash his feet. He didn't send one of his uh, uh, workers to wash the feet of Jesus who had been walking so many miles. Those things were crusty and they were dusty. And the common courtesy, the common thing to do when you, a, 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 a guest came into your home was to, to make him feel comfortable, to pull out the pot and begin to get somebody to wash the feet of your guests. And here comes Jesus into Simon's house with his crusty feet. Don't judge me, I'm not telling you the truth. Jesus didn't walk on clouds. He walked the earth. He was flesh. He was real. He had those open toes sandals, right? However, a prostitute, a prostitute considered in most areas of life, considered in most society as one of the lowest of the lowest beings, A prostitute came and washed his feet with her tears, wiped them down with her hair, kissed his feet, and poured perfume on them. You see, this woman, this woman understood what Simon couldn't understand. She knew how bad she had sinned. She knew her transgressions. She knew all about her wrongdoings and how generously God had forgiven her. Thus, she knew what she had to do. Church, as long as we think as long as we think ourselves morally superior to those who have wronged us, to those who have hurt us, to those who have talked bad about us, to those who have caused this physical, mental, spiritual pain, the Bible is clear no one, no one is righteous, not even one. We have to see everyone as equal, that they are loved and cherished and forgiven by God just like we are. Once we understand that we truly are all sinners, once we understand that we all fall short, that we are imperfect, then we can realize there isn't much difference. Between us and them. Between us and the one who has caused us pain. Making it easier to keep track with doing and being better. Doing and being better. After all, is that not what we as followers of Jesus desire most? To be better and do better? I say to my girls all of the time, my hope And your mom's hope in life is that you would be better and do better than mom and dad did. Because that was my goal, to be better and do better than my parents did or my mom. And I'm sure that that was her hope that she would be better and do better for her family. And so my goal every time that I step out is I hit the reset button. I wake up in the morning and I say, Lord, thank you for another day of life. Another day that I can hit the reset button in my life and get another crack at doing it better than I did yesterday. Because maybe yesterday I offended someone. Maybe yesterday I did someone wrong. Maybe I did something wrong to myself. Or maybe I just didn't forgive someone else. Friends, forgiveness is both the giving and the receiving of life. When we forgive someone, not only are we receiving life, right? Because we have been forgiven, but we are giving life to someone else. Someone else that freedom to, man, you're free to, to go about your life. You no longer Hold space in my life. You're no longer, I'm no longer carrying this this ball around with the hurt and the pain that you caused. I release you from that. Go. Figure out how you can do better and be better. As for me, I'm going to live my best life because I'm no longer having to give you space. In my heart and in my mind. And so this week, your homework is to go and, and find Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 15. Recite the words uh, the Lord's Prayer. And as you recite that, I want you to pause for a few. Pause for a few to get some self-reflection. And invite the Spirit of God to reveal how we have wronged, how you have wronged God and others by what you have done and by what you have left undone. I'm sure there are plenty of people in your life that have caused hurt and pain that you have yet to forgive them for. And you go around thinking that time will kind of clean it up. Time will make it all better. And God is saying, no, what will make it better is when you step out and forgive. When you step out and you forgive them and release them, release them from that. And in turn, you too will find that freedom. You don't got to carry it along with you. You don't got to carry that hurt and that pain. Every time a situation comes up, you don't got to be reminded of it, of what they did, what, how they hurt you, because you're walking in the freedom that God has given you. Amen.